Yeah, thank you, worship team, for a beautiful, beautiful song that God is sovereign over us and His plan is still to prosper. Thank you. And thank you, Kale. Uh, thank you, Jen, for your sharing. Um, so lovely to hear your story. Good morning, church. Good morning, community church. And a warm welcome to the guests in our midst. It's so wonderful to be here online with you all. I do not take it for granted that we can do this, even online, like Pastor Wade. Pray we are church no matter what. So we are on a sermon series called This Is Us. You know, it's a sermon series about who we are as community church. Now, Pastor Wade had talked about um, our community being a Christ-centered and inclusive community. And last week, he gave a wonderful message about being a community which loves doing good. And today, we're going to look at This Is Us, Gospel Focus. Can I... Uh, have helped with this slide. Thank you. Um, so when I first became a Christian at age 13, you know, I was so filled with joy and wonder. You know, I was um, just completely overwhelmed by the love of Jesus for me. Never have I felt such love, you know, and it just filled me with awe. You know, I experienced a new life that came with being in a relationship with Jesus and so grateful that he died for me to make that relationship possible. But you know, later on in life, when I began to care or discover and care a little bit more about what was going on in society and in the greater world, I began to wonder, what does Jesus dying for me, for my sins, have to do with some of the things that were happening in, in the greater world? Like systemic oppression, climate change, like wealth gap, like um, and the political situation around me. Um, what is the narrative for those issues? Or is there a Christian narrative? So there is. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ, meaning the good news about Jesus Christ. So whether you've been a Christian for a long time or a short time, or whether you are, the midst of you are in the midst of exploring the Christian faith, I invite you today to join me on a journey of discovering or rediscovering the gospel. Um, you, I think you'll probably see some slides on there right now, but I'm going to come back to that later um, as I take you through the different slides. And we're going to see, and I think you will see, that the gospel is so much more than any of us might have ever thought. You know, in the ancient world, in the ancient Roman world, it was the gospel that turned society upside down. In a world where human lives were cheap, it was the gospel that paved the way for people to be treated like human beings, with equal rights and dignity. And in a world where compassion was frowned upon, where it wasn't cool to help the sick or the poor, unlike today. It was the gospel that completely turned that around. Let us pray. Jesus, may your words speak. May you, may your Holy Spirit inhabit 
the words that I am about to speak. May they be yours. Amen. Okay, so here's what we're going to do today. See, so I'll be doing some teaching today on the gospel. What is the gospel? It's so critical. It's so important that we know that. And then after that, I'll spend a few minutes um, on the practical implications of the gospel, what it means to be a gospel-centered community. Okay, here we go. So most of us know the gospel as this. We have sinned and are therefore separated from God, and that leads to death. And Christ came to die for our sins. And if we believe in him, we can be reconciled to God, leading to life. Now, the gospel or the good news here is that Jesus has taken on our sins through his sacrificial death. And because of that, we can have reconciliation with God, leading to a life with God, a relationship with him. And this is indeed good news, as I shared with you earlier, how it totally changed my life. But let's pause for a moment. Let's consider this. What does this gospel have to say to the issues or the concerns here, like politics, like climate change, like human trafficking, like racism, refugee crisis, culture, unjust social and economic structures? I'm going to give you a moment here to ponder. You know, it concerns me that many young people today are walking away from the Christian faith because they can no longer see the connection between their faith and the issues of the day. When they cannot find a Christian narrative for those issues, you know what? They go searching elsewhere. It concerns me that more and more people are saying that Jesus is not relevant to the world anymore or that Christianity has nothing much to say to a world in crisis, other than to keep our hearts peaceful. It concerns me that during the protests, many Christians were unsure whether to care and how to care about politics. You know, I believe that we have a gospel crisis. A gospel may be too small for a world in crisis. See, it's not that it's incorrect, but it's incomplete. We might have reduced, well, unintentionally reduced the gospel of Jesus Christ to the gospel of how to get saved. Dallas Willard, who has written extensively on spiritual formation, calls this gospel the gospel of sin management, which falls short of the full gospel of Jesus Christ. So where do we go looking for the full gospel? We go to scripture. So I'm going to be reading three Bible passages from the letters of Paul. Now, we don't have, to, we don't have time. Uh, it's not my preference, but we don't have time to go into the context of those letters. But, but, but do know this, Paul had to deal with many real-world issues in his day. And he kept referring back to the gospel in helping people deal with them. It's like racism. No, 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 no. See what the gospel say. Classism. No, 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 no. See what the gospel says. Wealth gap. See what the gospel says. 
Okay, so the first passage comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preached to you, that you received and on which you stand, and by which you are being saved if you hold firmly to the message I preached to you, unless you believe in vain. For I pass on to you as of first importance what I also receive, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And the next passage from Romans chapter 1. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son who was a descendant of David with reference to the flesh who was appointed the son of God in power according to the Holy Spirit, by the resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And in a nutshell, Paul summarizes the whole gospel in this way. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, a descendant of David, such is my gospel. Wow. Well, that makes it very easy for us to kind of remember what the gospel is, right? So two important elements here. In the gospel, one, Jesus Christ, a descendant of David. Two, Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Let me repeat. Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Jesus Christ, um, descendant of David. Now keep this in mind as we look at the diagram again. See, those two are kind of um, missing from this gospel that we have here. We're missing... Jesus Christ, descendant of David, Jesus Christ, resurrected. I'm repeating because I'm, repetitions help us, you know, to, to retain things in our head. So why are these two elements so important that Paul repeats them over and over and over again? Now here is why. Linking to Jesus, well, linking Jesus to David is important because it's pointing to this. That the God who created the world would solve the problems of the world through Israel's Messiah, the line of David, through his becoming king and lord of the world. And he would rule the world with justice, peace, and truth. And so Israel was waiting for the Messiah to come, waiting and waiting, waiting. But you know what? In those days, there were so many false messiahs, you know, many claiming to be the one. And in fact, many of them were crucified. So how do you know that Jesus is the real deal? Hint, hint, it starts with an R. Resurrection. The resurrection. That he was raised from the dead according to the scriptures. Here. Here. You can take a moment uh, to look at the diagram. So, Peter in Acts 2 tells us that Jesus, who lived and died and who was raised and ascended and enthroned, is both Messiah of Israel and Lord of the world, the whole world. Evil has been decisively defeated. The Old Testament has been fulfilled. 
there is a new king in town and he is king over all the other kings and he was and is king over all the nations of the world now you see the early christians were killed not because you know they were going around proclaiming that jesus is the king of my heart but that jesus is the king of the world and he has jurisdiction over every nation and every sphere of the world, including whatever belonged to Caesar, the Roman emperor. You see why the early Christians got into trouble? Jesus is not ruling the world only in the spiritual sense. Jesus has everything to say about the real world, the real world issues, like how the world is run. When we sing, He reigns, He reigns. He's not just reigning spiritually up there, somewhere detached from the world. He is reigning in this world in real time. What does that mean? That means that not only does He care about our private, personal and spiritual lives, he also cares about the things in the public sphere. He cares about how society is run. He cares about how we do politics, how we do philosophy, how we do finance, how we do law, how we do education, how we take care of the environment is his creation. What our culture is. Does our culture help people flourish or oppress people? Do our social and economic structures help people thrive? Or do they create oppression and injustice? The King Jesus is in the process of bringing peace and justice and truth to the world, moving it in the direction of the new creation, towards the new creation, towards the new heaven and new earth. You know, we use the word salvation a lot, you know, in the Christian circle. But this is what biblical salvation is. It is personal salvation and more. It is also the salvation of the broken systems and structures of the world. And Paul tells us in Romans 1.16 that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And this gospel is the good news that the crucified and risen Jesus is the Lord of the world. The gospel is bigger and wider and deeper than what most people think. The gospel is about Christ being a sacrifice, but it's also about Christ being the Lord of the world. The gospel is about Christ being the king. Christ is king of my heart, but also king of the world. Christ has a wonderful plan for my life. Hallelujah. Amen. But Christ also has a wonderful plan for the world. Christ wants to make me more like him. Thank God for that. But Christ also wants to conform the world to look like he is the ruler. You know, but the thing is, He's not physically here, right? And he did not like zap things into perfection. Like he didn't go like, uh, wow, wealth gets okay, gone. Or, um, I don't know, racism, disappear. Or um, poverty, go away. No, right? Because we see, we still see a lot of brokenness around us. 
So how does his reign work in practical terms? Well, Jesus exercises his reign through the people who claim to be his followers, also known as Christians, also known as his church. And there are so many ways that this can happen. You know, it's a conversation to be continued and explored and discern. But now let me suggest five ways that we can bring the reign of Jesus to bear on the broken world. We do that when, number one, we love people and do good. Pastor Wade preached on that the last couple of weeks. Do check out his sermons online. Number two, when we confess his lordship over every part of our lives, as one missionary said, unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. K.O. said in his sharing earlier that we are all seeking to control our lives. How very true. And to acknowledge that Jesus is Lord means to let him take control over every part of our lives, including our finances including our career, the two most difficult things to let go. And number three, when we seek transformation in and through our work. So whatever your job is, ask how Jesus wants to transform your industry to be more aligned with his rule of justice, peace and truth. Whether you are in business or politics or technology or education, the helping profession, media, journalism, finance, law, and so on. See, there is not an inch of the world that has not been impacted by the fall, but not an inch that is outside the jurisdiction of Jesus. If Jesus is Lord of your industry, and he is, what does he want to see happen? Jen, in her sharing just now, touched on that, the desire to find alignment. There's no quick answer to that, but it's this constant desire and willingness to explore and to ask questions. Lord, how can we align better? What needs to happen in my industry to reflect more of your love and your glory and your rule? Number four, when we pray and discern and call out the idols in our midst, whatever they are, wherever they exist. See, idolatry always leads to some kind of mistreatment of people or a group of people. It leads to oppression and injustice. Idolatry goes all the way back to Genesis 3 when human beings decide to be gods. We decide to be gods. See, the gospel confronts anything and everything that wants to be God. If Jesus is Lord, I am not. Individualism is not. Consumerism is not. Patriotism, patriotism is not. Political agenda is not. Racial or ethnic or cultural identity is not. Profit is not. And hear this, what I'm going to say next, because I think it has a profound, I mean, it has profound implications on Hong Kong. And I had talked about this um, in the recent Faith and Work Conference where Jesus is Lord of the marketplace, market practice is not. What do I mean by that? We base so much of the welfare and the life of people on market practice. 
how long people work, how much they get paid, which type of job gets paid what? Well, if it's market practice, then it must be okay. So something like, oh, so how did you decide on that? Oh, we follow market practice. Ah, okay, okay, I see. See what I mean? Market practice has become for us the measuring stick of whether something is right and good. You know, it's wonderful that Hong Kong has various programs and schemes to help the poor. But maybe it is our market practices that have directly or indirectly contributed to the demise of the poor and the vulnerable. Home, we then try to help via those programs. If Jesus is Lord of the marketplace, market practice is not. Finally, number five, we usher in the reign of Jesus when we respond to the problems of the world, including COVID, the Jesus way. Filled with the Spirit and with humility. For before the resurrection, there was the cross. Let us pray. Father, thank, thank you so much for your great love for us. For each of us, for the world. You love the world so much that you would come in the person of Jesus Christ to die for us and to take over, to rule the world so that we might find life. So that the, de the decay, the sins of the world could once again be redeemed. You gave us hope that whatever it is that we see today is not the last word. Death is not the last word. Injustice is not the last word. COVID is not the last word. We humbly come before you and we acknowledge that with all our human wisdom, we don't know how to solve the problems of the world. And so we look to you. We say, fill us with your Holy Spirit. Father, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. 